0: You know that we embarked on a a new morning study series last week called Standing on the Promises of God. Wow, what a coincidence, huh? (laughs) And I did borrow the the title from that great old hymn that the worship team just led us in a moment ago. Um, So uh, that's where it comes from. Right now, in your Bible, there are approximately 3,500 promises. That our Heavenly Father, or the Lord Jesus, in concert with the Holy Spirit, have given to you and me. 3,500 plus promises. Is that pretty cool? That's a lot of promises. Man, oh man. We're going to be looking at about 10 to 12 of them. So there's a lot more that we aren't looking at, but we're going to look at 10 to 12 of them over uh, the next several weeks as we move through the spring and, and head towards summer. I, I, I toyed with the idea of calling this series Springing into the Promises of God. And then I thought, nah, that sounds kind of corny. We aren't going to go there. But I made a, a slide for it, so I, I just wanted to use the slide. But no, no, that's not true. I, I did mention to you, though, last time that we were together, the the reason why we are heading in this direction. I had just been sensing as I was moving in the circles of our church family that there was, there was just a need for uh, some soul and spirit pick-me-up, some encouragement. Life has been dishing out some pretty significant challenges for some in our church family. The clouds of weariness or discouragement have been hanging down kind of low for more than, than a few of us. And so spending time with our promise keeping God just seemed timely to me. How timely? I guess I really hadn't anticipated until after service. I'm standing at the door greeting as, as folks are leaving, and it was amazing to me how many people shared similar responses to what we talked about last week by way of an introduction. Oh, man, that's exactly what I need, Pastor Tim. That's, that's what I need. I, you have no idea how perfectly timed this particular series is. In fact, even one person said, have you been reading my mail? <laughs> and all that was really confirming for me. Uh, I felt like I was just hearing the Holy Spirit nudging my heart and leading us to the places that we need to be going on our mornings together. So that's really why we're in this series. So where do we go now? Having introduced the series last time, where do we go first? Well, there really isn't a more pivotal promise from God to you and me than the one that you see there on your note page at the top. The promise of what? Eternal life. 1 John 2.25 says, And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. There are many other wonderful promises, hugely important promises that God has given to us, 3,500 plus of them. But all of those other promises really only come to life and become difference-making in our lives when we have believed and received the eternity-impacting promise of of life from God, through faith in Jesus, Amen? Amen. Yeah, the promise of eternal life. So that's where we want to begin this morning, is with this particular promise. Everything's going to flow out of this as we go forward. This one promise. So as we do that, would you just take a moment and join me as I would ask God to uh, take us into His Word and and Heavenly Father, it is uh, it is a very serious thing that we do now as we step into Your Word. This is. This is our time for uh, you to talk to us and to remind us of uh, truths about yourself and your promises that you've made to us, and in particular this promise of eternal life. And, and eternity will not be long enough for us to thank you for this promise and how you have, have given it to us through Jesus. Today we would just uh, want to tell you that uh, to the best that we can, with your help, we'll set aside all of the distractions that would press in on us in this moment and try to really focus um, on you and what you have said in your word and how we thank you for your word today, that we hold it in our laps. And as Robin mentioned at the very beginning, it's your heart on the printed page. So we really want to have your heart now. Help me, Lord, to just be what your people need today and to stay out of your way. Let the power of your word... um, Be the difference maker for us, and we'll say thanks in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Several years ago, one of the major airlines hit on an interesting marketing scheme to attract some new flyers. They offered a limited number of unusual round-trip flights, unusual in that for $59, you could buy a mystery fare ticket to an unknown American city. As the buyer, you didn't find out where you were heading until you arrived at the airport. And that was the deal. You had to be willing to do that. And the airline had plenty of takers. In Indianapolis, for example, 1,500 people crowded at the counter to buy these mystery fare tickets that were sold on a first-come, first-served basis. Well, not surprisingly, when some buyers learned about their destination, they were not all that thrilled. One traveler who was hoping to go to New Orleans found that his ticket was going to take him to Minneapolis. And so he walks through the airport terminal yelling, I've got one ticket to Minnesota, and I'll go anywhere else. Now, I've never been to Minnesota, but it uh, must have been not a, a pleasant thought for him. Now, mystery fairs could be kind of a fun way to spice up a weekend getaway. But as a general rule... Most of us don't care much for mystery destinations. We like to know where we're going, right? As a general statement. And for absolute sure, the one time we never want a mystery ticket is when it comes to the question of where we're going to spend eternity. We don't want a mystery ticket at that point. We don't want to move through life uncertain about whether we are going to heaven or whether we are going to hell. Again, 1 John 2.25, and this is the promise that He has made to us. What is it, church? Eternal life. To say it another way, and this really is the the, the morning uh, in a sentence, the whole morning. If you are saved by Jesus you will be safe in Jesus forever. Forever. Now, would you affirm that promise in your life this morning? Would you do that? Yeah? I'm going to ask one more time, and I'm going to hope for a much more robust response. Would you affirm that promise in your life right now? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Amen. Now, as you do that, as you affirm that promise... You need to know that it is a rather narrow, restrictive declaration that you are affirming. And in our politically correct cultural climate, that kind of narrow, restricting declaration does not, is not responded to very well. There is a growing intolerance for exclusive claims like you are making in this moment, especially when those claims come from the Bible from God uh, or point to Jesus, his son. Our culture is become, becoming increasingly, increasingly unreceptive to those kinds of narrow claims. The certainty of eternal life through faith in Jesus alone in our culture, that is dismissed as nonsense by a vast majority. And don't you find it ironic that as the collective knowledge of the human race doubles every 13 months, we know twice as much as we did 13 months ago as a, as a people. Isn't it ironic that the more we know, the less certain we have become about everything? And sadly, many denominations and churches and church leaders have have given way to this cultural pressure Uh, saying that you can't really know anything for certain. In fact, the certainty of uncertainty might be the new religion in American culture. It has drawn many away from God. It has caused more than a few to doubt His promises. But can I say to you that that's not going to happen here? We will remain firmly anchored in the word of God and the truth that if you are saved by Jesus, you will be safe in Jesus forever. Amen and amen. The promise of eternal life. What does that mean? Well, that means that anyone who places his or her faith in who Jesus is and what he has done, he died on a cross to pay the sin penalty that you and I could never pay. He rose from the dead, proving his power over sin, death, and the grave. Anyone who believes Jesus for that is forgiven by the judge of the universe and given eternal life and the right to spend eternity with God forever. That's eternal life. We live in the certainty of the assurance that if we step through death's door before Jesus comes, we will be with God forever. Amen and amen. The promise of eternal life. I know, as you know, some people who move in your circle who have no assurance of eternal life in this moment. Can you think of one, perhaps, in your circle? who is in just such a place, they do not know what life after this life would be for them. They are unsure. When asked if they, they, they know if they're going to go to heaven when they die, they say, well, you know, I hope so. Or, or I, I think I will. Or, or if I'm good enough. Or if God will have this old sinner like me. Um, maybe many live with an unspoken fear. Of where they will spend eternity. On your note page. When it comes to God's promise of eternal life. There really are only four possibilities. Uh, that a place a person can land. Just, just four places where you might might find yourself. One can be lost. And know that they are lost. How tragic it would be to be in such a place. Because you know that God offers another way. But to, 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 to know that you're You're lost how sad that would be one can be lost and think that they're saved that's a dangerous place to be isn't it because your life rests on a foundation that isn't true you think you're saved but you're not you put your hope in in the wrong place one can be saved and not know for sure that they're saved that's kind of unsettling but god has has made it so that we can know and we can have certainty and we're going to get to that before we're done today Or one can be saved and know that they are secure in Jesus. Is that you? Absolutely. That's assuring. You know that you know that you know where you're going. Yeah. No part of your life is not affected by that truth. That you have eternal life. And an eternity with God is in your future. In a public school classroom of second graders, as the story goes, the lesson was on whales. And one little girl spoke up and she said that a man named Jonah, she's telling her teacher this in the class, she says, a man named Jonah was swallowed by a whale once. And the teacher told her that that's a made-up story. And in fact, it's physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human being, a grown human being. The little girl insisted that it was true, that it really did happen. And the teacher became increasingly irritated, and she reiterated, That's impossible. And then the little girl says innocently to the teacher, Well, when I get to heaven, I'll ask Jonah. The teacher responded, What if Jonah went to hell? And she said, Well, then you can ask him. The little girl knew where she was going. And she was pretty sure where the teacher wasn't going. (laughs) To be saved and know that you're saved in Jesus, that you're secure in Him. I could hope for nothing more, church family, than that everyone here today would walk out the door and be in this final group, this last group. Saved by Jesus and safe in Jesus forever. Life eternal. That's the promise. And we can know this for sure. Let's dig into God's Word then and let's affirm this incredible promise. Not only will our own souls, I think, be lifted up and encouraged, but perhaps we'll be more determined than ever to pass the promise on to our children and our grandchildren and our families and friends and and others who don't know the Lord yet. Those would be the kind of the benefits as well of, of time spent with this promise. And since there are literally dozens of passages where... The promise of eternal life is declared in our Bibles. I thought it might be helpful if we we limited the scope of what we look at. Concentrate our focus. One Holy Spirit-inspired writer speaks of eternal life more than any other in the Bible. And his name is John. One of Jesus' dearly loved disciples. He's the author of five New Testament books. And we're going to look at two of them. The Gospel of John and where your Bible is open now, and then the much shorter little letter of First John. Of the 42 instances where we read the words eternal life together in the New Testament, 22 of those instances are found in these two books, either the Gospel of John or the book of First John. So that will help us to concentrate a little bit on that note page that you have and we'll put them up on the monitors as well, allow the sheer weight of these passages just to speak for themselves without commentary. We'll come back in a moment and, and pick up some observations, but just listen as, as the Holy Spirit tells us through John about eternal life and this promise. In John 20, verse 31, near the end of the gospel, John says, But these are written, I wrote this book, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have what? Life, life in His name. It's talking about eternal life. You go to John chapter 3, verse 16 to 18, verses that we know well and maybe have memorized. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved. Through him, whoever believes in him is not condemned. It's another way of saying has eternal life. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Verse 36 of chapter 3. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. 524, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. It's one of the great evangelism verses. John 6.40 For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. That's a promise, isn't it? From Jesus to us. And then in John 10 where your Bibles open. Verse 27. Jesus says my sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. Amen. God or Jesus only have to say something once for it to be true, right? But they together have said it over and over and over. And we just scratched the surface of these places that we could have gone. Together, the power of these passages is overwhelming and so affirming to our souls. Let's go back and make a few observations about these verses and put them up maybe one more time on the screen in john 21 verse 31 for example where john tells us why he writes the gospel record here by the holy spirit he inseparably links eternal life to what to believing to believing in jesus who he is and what he has done appropriated into my life by grace through faith i believe in jesus and what he has done for me in John chapter 3, verses 16-18, to 18, Jesus says that eternal life is a gift, isn't it? It's a gift given by the Father to sinners through faith in Jesus. Our salvation depends entirely upon what the Father and the Son have done for us, not on what we do for them. Is that a huge truth? That is a huge truth. Many people think that their salvation depends on what they do for God. It is absolutely not true. Again, faith in Jesus is the way that we receive this gift that we call eternal life. In 336 and 524, eternal life is the present possession of believers. Did you notice that? Whoever believes in the Son has, I want to circle that in your Bible, has eternal life, has eternal life, has passed from death to life. If you have the Son, you have right now, this moment, what? Eternal life. It's not something that you're going to get in the future. It's not something that you receive when you die. You possess it right now. Now, if you are in Jesus by faith, present tense, you are a possessor of life from God that never ends. How cool is that? That's a present tense truth. 640 says this again, just in case we missed it. Everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have, present tense, eternal life. And in John chapter 10, verse 27, what do we say about this particular passage? I mean, we could spend the next several mornings just hanging out here with these few verses. Jesus, the best shepherd ever, we're told, knows His sheep. He knows those who are his. He knows them by name. He knows you by name right down. In fact, scripture says that he knows the very number of the hairs on your head right now. They know him. He knows you and this passage says that you know him by faith. True sheep listen to him. They follow the lead of the shepherd in verse 28. Those that Jesus knows are never going to perish. That's his promise. This is a strong double negative in the Greek. They will indeed not ever perish, Jesus says. Not ever. In the words of Jesus' time, this was a legal contractual statement. It came kind of out of the, the, the lawmaking arena of Jesus' day. An irrevocable declaration made by Jesus to you and me. They will indeed not ever perish. I like that. Don't you? That's a promise. And then notice that our salvation can never be stolen, Jesus says. Not by any person, not by any power. The word snatch here. It's, it's the word that means to pluck or to, to, to pull or to take away by force. And Jesus is telling us is that we are that we are as safe as we can possibly be in our eternal life. Because it is in the person of Jesus. We are in the hands of God Almighty. We are in the hands of the Lord Jesus. And there is no force or power that can pry open his grip. And take you from, from him. I can't help but think of the words of Romans chapter 8 in this regard. Verses 38 and 39. I know I said we'd confine ourselves to John. But I, I just got to break out here for a second. So, so check this, this passage out on the, on the screen. The Holy Spirit declares that neither death nor life, nor angels or rulers, nor things present or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. No one can steal our eternal life from us. No one and nothing. We're in God's hands. And then in verse 29. The greatness of the Father is the grounds for this security. No one is greater than he is. He's greater than all. I love the language used by a preacher of the last century. His name was A.W. Was Pink. He says, the promises of God are unimpeachable. He will secure the eternal welfare of those whom he has appointed to heavenly glory. Though the world, the flesh, and the devil combine against him, he cannot be frustrated. He who triumphed over the grave cannot be thwarted. Those whom he pardons, he preserves. That's a promise from God to us. And a last observation. We are doubly secure. Did you notice that in this passage? Because we are gripped by the Father and by the Son. We're in their hands together. Who's able to snatch us from their hands? Now, you've been around for a little while. You know there's a slogan by an insurance company. And how does that slogan go? You are in good hands with Allstate, right? I mean, how many times in the course of a football game or a TV show are you hearing that? You can instantly think of the actor who says that too, right? You are in good hands. Jesus says... He promises that those whom He has purchased with His own life and His resurrection, His sheep could not be in better hands than His hands or the Father's hands. You could not be more secure. To say it again, if we are saved by Jesus, we are safe in Jesus for how long? Forever. Forever. Amen to that. Now, there are some who would say, well, that's all well and good, Tim. No one can take you out of God's hand or Jesus' hand, but a person can take themselves out of God's hands. You ever heard that? Yeah, you've heard that. I've heard that. I would submit to you that that's absolutely not true. That can't be true. In verse 28, Jesus says, we go back and look at that verse again. I give them what? Eternal life. Yes. Jesus doesn't say, I give them the possibility of eternal life or or conditional life. I'm not giving them conditional life or I'm I'm not giving them temporary life. I am giving them one thing. And what is it? It is eternal life. If we can take ourselves out of the equation, then it's not eternal life. It's something else. Also, notice that this verse says nothing about the sheep holding on to the Father's hand or onto the sheep onto onto the Son's hand. It says the Father and the Son are holding tightly onto us, and nothing can take us out of their hands, right? That's what it says. If we're saved by grace through faith, then we're not saved, we're not saved by grace and then kept saved by our grip. That'd be another way to say it. As a dad, I have fond memories Uh, when my children were quite small. I have really fond memories of holding their hands. Um, Now it's my grandkids, and that it's like I get to relive those memories again, and I'm loving this period in, in Lisa and I's life. But I go back, and I remember those days when I was holding their hand, and we were in a really crowded place. Maybe it was a dangerous place, crossing a street or or whatever it was, I did not rely on my kids to hold my hand. Right? If you're a parent, you know that is true. You would not do that. My hand was big enough and it was strong enough and there was no way, if they we were in a dangerous setting, there was no way that I was going to let go of their hand. They could do whatever they wanted in that regard, but... I wasn't going to let go. It's, it's not like we were holding on to a stick and my hand was on one end and theirs was on the other and everything depended on them holding on to the stick. It wasn't like that. No, their hand was secure in my grip and there was no way that I was going to let go. And it is the same way with God and His kids. That's the same thing happening in your life right now through faith in Jesus. And then as well on on this question of us taking ourselves out of God's hand, John will actually speak to this issue, I believe, indirectly in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. We'll put this up on the screen for us. Here's what John writes. He's talking about um, professing followers of Jesus who abandoned them, abandoned the church. And he writes this, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued... With us, But they went out that it might be complained that they all are not of us. What's John saying? He is saying that they went out from us because they were never actually truly part of us. They looked like they were. They talked like they were. For a time, but they really weren't. If we are truly in Jesus by faith, we're not going to crawl out of his hand. We're not going to want to crawl out of his hand. Agreed? Absolutely. And and then what did that Romans 8 passage that I read a moment ago tell us? Let me re- let's do it one more time. Neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. The nor anything else includes who? Us, doesn't it? It includes us. We're we're in that part of of the statement. Not even our own wills could separate us from God. Not that we would want to be, but we couldn't do that. We can't be separated from His love if we are in Jesus. That's His promise. And think about this, brothers and sisters. If even one of the redeemed sheep, just one of the redeemed sheep of God fell out of His grasp, For any reason, the implications for all the rest of us would shatter our faith. Would it not? Because the Father had failed to realize the plan that He purposed before the world began. The Son would have failed to receive what He paid with His life to secure. And the Holy Spirit would have failed to preserve those whom He sealed in Jesus. Who would continue to follow a God who failed like that? You wouldn't if even one of us could fall out of his grip, out of his hand. So we have the promise of eternal life in John's gospel. Let's run to the right now. Leave John 10. Let's run to the right, almost to the end of our Bibles. Let's go to 1 John and let's just confirm the certainty of the promise. Let's do that. Now that 1 John 2.25, we've already brushed up against it a few times. This is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. And God never lies, and he can't lie, so the promise stands. But then, just as he did at the end of his gospel, John here tells us what his purpose in writing his letter, little letter of 1 John. He tells us why he wrote it. So 1 John 5.11. And this is the testimony That God gave us... What are the next two words? Eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may... What's the next word? Know that you have eternal life. Can you know with a certainty that can never be shaken... Okay, great, great, good. Let's, let's let's unpack this just very quickly. The word testimony that John grabs hold of in verse 11 is the Greek word for witness. It comes straight out of the courtroom setting of his day. He's picturing God as if God were a witness on a stand and God tells the truth. He's declaring under oath that eternal life is found in Jesus and in no one else. God offers no other person, no other place, for life than other other than in jesus and then again just as we saw early in those verses in john's gospel eternal life is the present possession of every lover of jesus it's a present possession it's not something in the future verse 12 whoever has the son what has life you have it right now Verse 13, you have eternal life. Brother, sister, eternal life began for you. It began for me the day that we said, I am a sinner and I need a Savior, and His name is Jesus. That happened for me when I was 12. Whenever it happened for you, that was the moment that you became a possessor of eternal life. Eternal life is a present reality but it also has a future to it as well, obviously. Should Jesus delay His return and, 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 and we leave this world through death's door, uh, we keep right on living, don't we? We don't break stride even for a moment. It, everything just becomes a, a new in a, in a different kind of way and an impossible-to-imagine way, but it's, it's, it's our eternal life. It doesn't stop. And as we've been saying from the outset and what verse 13 affirms once more is that only those who believe in Jesus in the name of the Son of God have this life. Nobody else possesses it unless this is true for them. To believe, that means to count on someone. It means to trust in them. And who can miss the exclusive, restrictive nature of this statement? Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. That truth doesn't sit well in our culture, does it? But it is absolutely true. Because God said it. There aren't many ways to life with God. Are there? No. There is only one way. And His name is Jesus. In fact, Jesus, what does Jesus say in John 14, verse 6? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life and no one no one comes to the Father except through me yeah God wants us to know this is the last thought here God wants us to know for certain that you know doesn't that what he says the word know it appears 39 times in 1 John it's not a matter of feeling or thinking or hoping that you have eternal life it's a matter of what Knowing with a settled assurance that that has no doubt mixed in with it. You know that you know that you know. Far too many rely on feelings rather than on the truth of the promise, right? That you may know. Do you know? Yes. It's a settled assurance for you today. In a, in a little book entitled, How to Begin the Christian Life, an old pastor from the past tells the story about a prisoner who had been pardoned by the governor. A guard brings to the prisoner's cell this document. It's been signed by the governor. It's been sealed. The, the prisoner opens the envelope and he reads its contents. The guard waits. And then he asks the prisoner, Have you been pardoned? And the prisoner says... Yeah, yes, as as a matter of fact, I have. It says here that my crime has been wiped from my record. The guard asks, well, how do you feel? Do you feel pardoned? And the man says, no, no, I, I can't say that I do. It's all so sudden. But if you don't feel pardoned, how do you know you are pardoned? The guard asks. And the man replies, it tells me so right here, whether I feel it or not. Brothers and sisters, the promise of our pardon is spelled out right here. And it is true whether we feel it or not. Right? How? Maybe you don't feel forgiven today. Or maybe uh, you think you've done something that jeopardizes your eternal life. Or maybe you're thinking, man, God would never even want me. I've done so much. And you feel like God couldn't love you. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Not one hint of feeling in there, right? We believe the Word of God, not our flimsy feelings. You know, over the years, I have been fond of a particular little drawing that has helped me, and I have shared it many times uh, with others over the years, uh, to, to get at this truth of feelings and, and, and the truth of God's word. The, the drawing is of a train, as you see it there on your note page and on the screen. And the train is in, intended to represent your life. And so the, the facts of scripture are the locomotive. The, the, your faith is the coal car, if you will. And then your feelings are what? <laughs> the caboose. The caboose. And so as long as we're pouring our faith into the facts of God's word, the truth of God's word, our life moves forward exactly the way that God would intend for it to move. And our feelings, what happens to our feelings? Well, they just get pulled along, don't they? They're along for the ride. But the problem is that oftentimes we take the caboose, and what do we do with the caboose of feelings? We put it on the front of the train, don't we? And, 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 and then we expect it foolishly. We expect that somehow the feelings are going to pull us forward. And we're surprised when life just kind of comes to this grinding halt. Why? Because the caboose was never meant to pull the train. Feelings were never meant to pull the, your life forward. What pulls your life forward? The truth of God's word into which you pour your faith day after day after day. Assurance of eternal life. It's found in a promise that God cannot break. It's a fact as certain as God is certain. Our pardon has been granted by the judge of souls. The pardon has been signed in blood by the Lamb of God. And it has been applied to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's a fact. We pour our faith into that fact and we never look back, do we? That's where our assurance lies today. If we're saved by Jesus, we are safe. In Jesus. For how long? Forever. Let's say that. Forever. Yeah? Let's pray together. What glorious truth. Timeless, absolutely certain truth from you to us, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit. Oh, that we could live in the truth of this all the time and never, ever stumble. Never, ever ever become insecure or fearful about our future. Lord, You know our, you know us. You know how we have feet of clay and we, we sometimes drift. But, oh, that we could lay hold of and never again let loose of this great truth that we are in Your hands and You're never going to let us go through our faith in Jesus, in Jesus, life with You forever. We praise You for that. And Heavenly Father, if there be one, maybe more than one in this room right now who walked through these doors and came into this room this morning without the assurance of life forever with you, may they not leave today without that. If we can be a help, show us. If you might be in that place, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, perhaps today's the day and now's the moment. We would love to help you to experience, maybe for the very first time, what it means to be a possessor of life that never ends with God let us know we would love to be a part of that Heavenly Father thank you for your promise of eternal life we look forward to the day when we'll see you face to face till then may you find us faithful and all God's people said Amen and Amen let's stand together church